And last week we talked about some of the relationships we need in our lives. We need a guide. We need a wise guide to just help us to be one step ahead of us and say, hey, come, come with me and let me teach you a few things. So we need some guides in our life. And today we're going to talk about some other relationships we need, particularly the companions we need for this journey because we need friends. Don't we need friends? I remember when Melissa and I moved to Nebraska, we didn't know anybody there. It was a new, new town, new state. And we went there right when I got finished with my schooling. I was the pastor of this church, and just a slight exaggeration, but it was 60 people over 60. Um, and, and we got there, and we were like, okay, we need some friends. There was one couple around our age. We became quick, fast friends with them. And then six months into our time there, they said, oh, by the way, we're moving to Alaska. Alaska, right. And we're like, are you kidding me? And Kelly, Kelly still watches my message. Hi, Kelly, <laughs> in Alaska. But... But we were like, are you kidding me? We're, we're here all by ourselves. And yes, we have some friends that are over 60, but we need some that are our age. We need some companions, right? And I remember praying that night, Melissa and I, God, give us friends. God, just give us some friends. We need some friends our age. And it felt like a very selfish prayer at the time. But I actually think it's something that God has put in our hearts that we want and need friends around us, don't we? We need companions. When we're going through a difficult time or when we're lonely or when we're in a new state or at a new job, we realize, hey, I need some friends. I need some friends to help me through this time because I've just lost my job because uh, I'm dealing with some health issues or someone I love is dealing with health issues. When, when we're trying to figure out how to be a parent, we need friends. We need companions that are just on this journey with us. They don't need to be ahead of me. I just want them to be there by my side. And we have this longing for friends. Uh, I saw a tweet the other day and, and caught my eye. It said that nobody talks about Jesus' miracle of having 12 close friends in his 30s. Isn't that a miracle? Right. But of course, someone um, snarkily responded, uh, if I could turn water into wine, I'd have 122 friends in my 30s. <laughs> that was funny. But, but Jesus knew this. We need friends, right? He had 12 guys around him as his disciples. We know that we need friends. It's even the reason why people still watch syndication of Friends in the office and um, Seinfeld and even Cheers, even though they've been off the air for decades, because we want friends like that, don't we? We have this longing for companions. And on the journey of the quest journey, as this, this series is all about that kind of story form that we see again and again in our literature and movies, there's always companions for the hero. There's always some companions around that person to support them and encourage them. One of my favorite clips uh, that Melissa's already told me I've referenced too much is from The Lord of the Rings. So <laughs> let's go ahead and watch this clip together. I will take the ring to Mordor. Mr. 
Roberto's not going anywhere without me. No, indeed, it is hardly possible to separate you even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. Wait, we're coming too. We'll have to send us all tied up in a sack to stop it. Anyway, you need people of intelligence on this sort of mission, quest. Thank you. Oh yeah, that gets you pumped up, right? Yeah, we need a few dwarves on our side and some elves and just some little friends, some other hobbits. Man, we need companions like that, don't we? But it's not just the Lord of the Rings. All our favorite quests have companions. Dorothy. Right? She had, of course, the, the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man, uh, and even Toto, right? You know, there's companions on the journey. It's why even Nemo had to have Dory. Yeah, Dory. I almost forgot Dory's name. Had to have Dory, right? You need a companion. That's why Shrek had Donkey. Okay? Everybody needs a companion. Even Tom Hanks, stuck on a desert island, has to have Wilson, right? Everyone needs companions on their journey. And in fact, if you watch these quest movies, there's always like one of the key moments is when a companion shows up to help that person along on their journey. You'll start to notice this more and more. It's the companions that help the hero achieve what they were supposed to do and make it to the end to reach the goal. We need companions in our life, but it's hard to do. It's hard to make friends. And I put that tweet uh, about Jesus because as you get older, you're like, man, it's hard. I'm an adult. It's hard to make friends. And we think, man, it was so much easier when I was a kid, but I honestly think if you look back there, it was just as hard. The, the, the deal was that your parents dropped you off at a place that you'd never been with 30 complete strangers, and you had to spend seven hours a day, five days a week with these people. Every year, it was a new group of people. If you had to do that every year, you'd be terrified, right? Adults, if you got stuck, oh my gosh, 30 strangers for seven hours straight today, you'd be terrified, so you're kind of forced into friendships as a kid. But it's still hard. Even going to college, like you don't know anyone and then you show up and you're like, okay, I have no friends, no family. I just have to make new friends, I guess. So we have to do that when we're younger. But then as we get older, we realize how hard it is to have friends. It's difficult. It's challenging. So we all know we need friends. We all want to have friends. So how do we get there? Well, what we're going to learn today is that we're we're going to have to do something a little bit counterintuitive, a little bit different than what we're doing, because it's not about finding friends. It's about being friends. It's not about going out there so I can discover my companions. Who are these people going to be on my journey? No, who can I be a companion for? In fact, Ralph Waldo Emerson once said um, over 150 years ago, the only way to have a friend is to be one. Pretty simple. So that is going to lead us for our, to our big idea for today, and you're going to remember this, paraphrasing one of our presidents. Ask not what your companions can do for you, but what you can do for your companions. You guys can remember that? In fact, I want us to practice it right now, but we're going to do it in our best Bostonian accent. Can you do that with me? Online, I want you to say this as well. So can we do that together? Ask not what your companions can do for you, but what you can do for your companions. Okay, some of you have some terrible Bostonian accents, but good try. Mine wasn't any better. <laughs> I'm terrible at accents. 
Uh, but this is what we need to think. Hey, we're, we're thinking about this wrong. We need friends. We know we need friends, but it's not like I need to go out and find the good friends for me. No, we need to go out. How can I be a good friend to someone else? And that's what we're going to learn. And to make it even more memorable today, I'm giving you a little acronym. Ooh, you're going to like this one. Four points today we're going to learn. And this acronym is going to help you remember this message and the four things that we are taught to do in our passage from today. Sawyer, help me with this. Just so you know, if I ever have a good idea, it's from Sawyer. If I have a bad one, it's probably mine. <laughs> okay. And so here's our acronym today. It's TEAM. You guys remember this, right? TEAM. T. Think of others first. E. Encourage them always. A. Assemble in community. And M. Motivate toward love. We need a team. So we have got to flip our mindset and how can I be the companion? How can I be the friend? How can I be on someone else's team? And you will be amazed to find that you have those teammates and companions and friends with you. So let's look at this first point, and, and, and before we jump into the first one, let's actually read our passage, just two simple verses today from Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Let's read those together. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, see this, these two verses are all about what, what we need to do for one another, for our friends, for each other. So the first point we're going to see is think others first, and this comes from verse 24 where it says, and let us consider. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The first point is that we need to consider and we need to think about, we need to focus and think about how can I help this person? How, what are they going through? What's their life like right now? To think about them. We think about ourselves, don't we? We're always focused on what I'm feeling, what I'm going through, my hard time, my difficulties. But we need to be thinking about others first. In fact, some of you are watching this and you're like, yeah, my friend needs to hear this. No, you need to hear this. <laughs> think of others first, and we need to start thinking about them. You need to think about them. In Philippians, Paul says something similar. He says, everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. What are they going through in their life? What, what do they need? What, what's their situation that they're in? And we, we so often do the opposite. We're like, oh, I've had such a hard week. Oh, why won't my friends call me, right? Why doesn't anyone know what I'm going through? Nobody cares. You send them a text. Four hours later, nothing. No one likes me. Everybody hates me. I have no friends. You don't have to raise your hand if you've done that. But we do that, right? Instead of thinking, I wonder if they're busy. I wonder if they have four kids and probably don't have time to get back to me right now. Maybe they're working or in the mountains or something and they don't have service. Okay? But, but to think others first, you think about what's going on in their life. To check up on them. And it does mean we need to ask them sometimes, right? I want to challenge you guys to do something. Whenever you think of another person, text them. Maybe not at three in the morning. But when you're thinking of another person, just text them. Maybe shoot them an email if it's 3 in the morning. Then they can get to them in the morning, right? But just if you're thinking of someone, text them. This week I was reading um, Phil Knight's memoir about uh, Nike called Shoe Dog. And I was like, I have two friends in Portland where this book is set. So I texted both these friends this week. Hey, you guys are on my mind. I'm thinking about you. How, how are things going? But what if we did stuff like that? And just like, I'm thinking about you. Man, those simple words, I'm thinking about you. It conveys so much, right? they don't tell you what they're thinking, but it doesn't really matter. It means something when someone's thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I care about you. I miss you. Those words mean so much 
to people? What if, what if we did that? What if we reached out like that? It, because sometimes you'll find people are going through a hard thing. I'm so glad that you reached out. I remember calling someone in our church a few weeks ago. Hey, I was thinking about you. And they're like, I'm so glad you called because this is such a hard day and went on. Boom. And I was like, I guess it's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they, God puts people on your mind for that reason. Think of others first. This last week, Melissa had hurt her back. And it's kind of hard to have three little kids when you have a hurt back. And Grace Chan heard about it, Grace in our church, and she showed up at our house with a plate of cookies. And she said, and can I watch the kids and make you dinner tonight? And we're like, well, okay. And, and we're like, okay, we'll just take the cookies. We're good with the rest. But as soon as Grace left Melissa, and she didn't even know what I was talking about this week, she said, wow, Grace is a good friend, right? Because she thought about me. And, and that's how you feel when someone thinks about you. And, and that's what we're challenged to do, to think about others. Instead of thinking, why aren't people thinking about me? How can I think of others first? How can I think of others first? Now, I want to just encourage you to do that. What, what are they going through? What's going on in their life? So T, think of others first. And then once you begin to do that, you do realize, hey, that person is probably going through a hard time right now. You know what they could use? Some encouragement. E, encourage them always. Think of others first and encourage them always. The end of our section in verse 25, it says, but encouraging one another... And all the more as you see the day approaching. So encouraging one another. We, we need to do this for each other. We need to encourage each other always. You know, I think it's interesting. It says, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And even though this was written 2,000 years ago, it was talking about the day of the Lord when Jesus is going to come back to judge the living and the dead, the end of the world. Well, what is everybody still asking each other right now? Are we in the end times? Okay, people are commenting this online. People are asking me, and I'll tell you, I know all the answers. I don't really know. But we are going to have a series. Our next series is going to be at the end times. Interesting, right? We're going to look at what Jesus said in a series we're calling Doomsday Preppers. I'm not kidding. This is what it's called. You're going to like this series. We're going to see what did Jesus say about the end times and how do we get ready for them. Yes, it's going to be a great series starting February 28th. But we need to encourage each other because when people are thinking about are, the, the, are these the end times, why are they thinking that? Things are going bad. There's wars and rumors of wars. There's conflict. There's politicians doing who knows what. <laughs> yeah, we need to pray for our politicians. We're commanded to do that. We've got to. They need them. Okay, they need those prayers. Okay, so we're thinking, what the heck's going on? Why are, are, is our nation just crazy right now? We got a plague. We got who knows everything, right? And so people wondered. They get worried. What do they need when they're worried and not hopeful about the future? They need encouragement. They need someone to lift up their spirits and give them hope. So that's why it says, and all the more as you see the day approaching. But it's not just then. We need to encourage each other always. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, we read, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. They need encouragement. They need to be built up. And it's always. I want you to just think, as we're thinking about another person, when do other people need encouragement? Well, when they're feeling down when they're hurting, when they're sick, when someone they love is sick, when they are looking for a job, when they start a new job, um, when they get into that job and it's kind of rough, their bo boss is pretty annoying, when they are the boss and they have to be annoying to people, okay, when they've lost their job, when they've retired from their job and now they're trying to figure out what to do with their life and then they're trying to deal because they want to uh, uh, spend time with their grandkids but then they have to put up with their kids while they're doing it, they need some encouragement, 
The kids need encouragement because right now they're having to wear masks if they show up to school, if they can at all, but most of the time they're on Zoom and they need their parents to help them and they have to deal with their parents. Man, they need some encouragement, right? And I think you can just go along. Who doesn't need encouragement? No one. Nobody has reached their encouragement quotient and said, I'm good. Even when things are going good in someone's life, they need encouragement to keep moving forward. Wow, you're doing great. Keep at it. We always need encouragement, and so do other people around us. So what if we said, hey, it's my job to encourage people. It's my job to encourage each other always. Who needs some encouragement right now? That person you're thinking of, they need encouragement. And they need more encouragement than the encouragement that you're giving them right now. So I want you to think about it. Who, who, who needs encouragement? I want to take a quick poll right now. Who in here has ever felt awkward asking for help? Who in here has ever felt awkward asking for help? Even if you desperately need it, you don't want to ask for help, right? Okay, you can look around. If you're online, everyone raised their hand pretty much, right? We all feel that way. Online, you can say, yes, I feel awkward too. Maybe even give me like, uh, is there an emoji for an awkward turtle? I don't know. If there is, put something in the comment section. Because it's awkward to ask for help. We don't want to do it even if we're like at our worst point. I don't know. They're kind of busy. Right? And if we feel that way, they feel that way too, right? They're not going to ask for help even if they need it so bad. Some people, and a lot of us do this, the, more, the most we've ever needed help, we're the farthest away from our friends. And we kind of like close ourselves off from those people, don't we? So if we're thinking about others first, and we're thinking, how can I encourage them always? Who do I need to encourage? Even the person you think, I don't know, their life seems great. They need encouragement. They need it. They need some help. And that's what we do for each other. That's what we do for each other, especially in a church. And our next point is going to be all about church. But, but I saw this, this, this last week, um, and I got permission to talk about this, and, and, and she actually requested it. But Anisha is a young lady in our church who we love. We all love Anisha. If you know her, she helps in our kids' ministry. She's around here all the time. We love her. Well, this uh, weekend, she's gone through some pretty terrible stuff. She's a student now in, at Colorado State University. But yesterday, her stepdad shot her mom I think I lost microphone right then. Am I on? Okay. So um, going through a pretty tough, desperate situation, right? Um, her mom, they didn't think would make it through the night, but she did. She started to recover. She gained consciousness this morning, um, and Anisha was able to talk with her mom. She's here today. She drove down from CSU yesterday with a friend. Um, but we need to pray for Anisha, right? She needs encouragement. She needs Hope, and, and how can we help her, and how can we encourage her? And, and I think about that, like, people are going through tough things. Anisha and her family is going through some really difficult stuff. And because of that, I, I, I would like to, and I, I asked for her permission, if we could all just pray for her and her family right now. So would you guys join me in prayer for Anisha and her family? Yeah. Um, Lord God, this is just such a, a, a terrible incident. We don't know why such evil has to happen. But Lord God, we're asking you to help. We're asking you to help Anisha and, and her mom, Anne. We pray that you'd give strength to Anne, that you'd help her recover, Lord, um, that she would fully uh, regrain. Lord God, thank you for bringing her through this night, but we pray that you'd give her a full recovery, um, that you'd be with the doctors and, and the surgeon and, and all the nurses and support staff that are there, that they could help Anne get back on her feet and, and find full healing. And, and we pray for Anisha and her siblings who have now just undergone such stress and trauma. Lord God, would you protect them, heal their minds. Lord, help them be drawn to yourself. Help surround them with people like us and with companions that can help them too. 
because they're going to need it not just today, not just this week, but for years to come. Uh, And I pray, Lord, that we would be those people for this family. And I just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So please continue to, to keep them in prayer. And even Jenna, Jenna's in the back. Jenna welcomed Anisha into her house last night that she could stay with someone this week. So thank you, Jenna, for doing that. That's what we do as a church, right? That's what we do. So there's heavy things like that going on, right? Sometimes we don't even know about it, but people are going through the hardest things. People try to put on this like stoic face like everything's okay, but it's not. People need encouragement. So how can we encourage others always? Instead of saying, I need the encouragement right now. Yes, you do. But think, how can I encourage others? How do they need some hope in their life? How how can I lift them up? That's what we need to do. Encourage them always. That's what we need. And and the best way we can do it is in a church. Honestly, a church is one of the best places where you can find companions for your journey. So this is our third point, is to assemble in community. Assemble in community. In verse 25, it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That word meeting together in the Greek is the same root as the word synagogue because that's where people were worshiping every single week at the time, in the synagogue. So it's the same thing. Hey, we need to worship together. We need to meet together. We need to assemble together. Did you know the word church, ecclesia, another Greek word, could be translated as assembly? That's why there's a whole denomination called assemblies of God because a church is not a building. It's the body of Christ. It's not a place, it's a people. We are the church. We are the community. So that's why we need to assemble together. We need to keep meeting together because some are in the habit of not going, not being a part of church. And I point this out because a lot of us look back to the first century at church. We read Acts and we're like, oh my gosh, the church was amazing back then. I wish the church didn't have all its stupid flaws today. We could be back in the first century. But in the first century, people were not going to church, okay? People are already skipping out because they had better things to do, okay? I'm saying that because when we think it's this modern phenomenon, no, it's always been around that people get in the habit of not going. Man, it's easy to get out of the habit of going to church, and then it becomes a habit. Some of you guys have experienced this over the last year. Maybe you're watching online. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't go for one week, and then it kind of feels good. I got some more time. I got to sleep in. I had banana pancakes this morning. Life is good, went on a hike, I got so much stuff done. And, and then the second week, you're like, I'm really busy, maybe I'll just stay home again. And then by the third week, you're like, I don't need to go to church at all, do I? I'm fine, life's good. And it won't be maybe till months, years later that you realize that you're at your lowest point, and you're like, what did I do? Some of you are there right now, but I'm glad you're back. Glad you're here. Because we need community. It gets so quick into the habit of not going. We have to work against the grain to get us into a habit because it's against our culture. It is not normal for people to go to church every Sunday morning, especially in Colorado. Man, you can get the fresh powder on Sunday mornings. Go on a hike. Go to snooze for some brunch. There's so many things to do on a Sunday morning. It's hard to change that and get into the habit of meeting together. But yet, it is one of the most crucial and important habits you can ever form in your life to go to church every week. If you guys heard of the concept of keystone habits, I've talked about it a little bit. A keystone habit is that if you do this one habit, it actually impacts a whole bunch of other little things in your life. They're they're these habits that, that have drastic impact. And going to church weekly is one of the best habits you can get in your life. And, and they're starting to see this in all sorts of different realms. People are studying it. There's this big study done out of Harvard 
on women. So they tracked a group of women for 20 years. And they found that those who went to church regularly had one-third less a likelihood of dying if they went to church weekly. Interesting, right? One less third one-third less likelihood of dying in that time period. But there was a whole, so, they, so they dove into it more. There's a whole institute now at Harvard that's examining this kind of stuff. And they found that people who go to church, get this, have a boosted immune system. Yeah, better than fish oil. Decreases in blood pressure. Lower cholesterol. It's, what? It's weird, right? But yet they notice all these things. In, in fact, an epidemiologist at Harvard looks at all of this and he said that religion may be a miracle drug. Yeah, okay? People are trying all sorts of different pills and everything, right? Trying out yoga. You think it's going to fix everything? Just go to church. Just go to church. Don't, you don't need to get on a Mediterranean diet. I mean, just go to church. There's amazing how much it'll impact you. But it's more than that, Okay? If you go to church, you are less likely to smoke, less likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, or commit violent crimes. Kids have higher GPAs. They're less likely to live in poverty. They're more likely to wear a seatbelt. People have more meaning in their life. They're less lonely. They have a bigger social network. They're more generous. They're more likely to volunteer their time. They have stronger marriages and, yes, better sex. They're less prone to mental illness, and they're happier. An anthropologist at Stanford has said one of the most striking scientific discoveries about religion in recent years is that going to church weekly is good for you. I'm glad we discovered this in the last few years. Wow! For thousands of years, it's been here the whole time, right? That's why your mom says go to church. Your grandma's like, why? You haven't been in church in so long. Because they knew this forever. And yet now the scientists have discovered it. I'm so glad they have, right? Sheesh. I mean, if people knew about this, wouldn't everybody be in church? They, they should be. Maybe you're watching this right now and you know, oh, so-and-so needs to hear this, okay? This is the one time you can go send it to them, okay? Text it to them. Send them this message. Some of you are here today. You're going to send somebody this message. You haven't been in church for a while. Get in church. It's good for your health. It's good for your life. It's good for your eternal life, right? You need a community around you. You need to assemble in community regularly and be there no matter what because it's when you're, you're bored or busy and you're like, I don't have time. No, 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 you need it even more. And it's not even you need it. The people around you need it. Who knows when there might be someone going through a really hard time and needs you to show up to give them a hug and encourage them. So don't fall out of the habit of going to church. Make it your keystone habit. Holy Spirit is convicting someone right now. Listen, we need this. We need community. That's why we encourage everyone to be in a community group. So it's not just this worship weekly habit. That's good. But in community groups, what we do is we hear the message from Sunday, and then we talk about it in the week. So it's like a, a double dose. <laughs> okay, You're getting twice your vegetables, right? You're, you're getting the double dose. It's good for you because you're talking about it. You're talking about it with people who know you and you know them. So you can't hide as much. You can't pretend like things are going well. And then you're in this community group. You develop these relationships over your weeks and months together. And then when someone goes through a hard time or when you're going through a hard time, there's people there for you. So get in a community group. Get in a community group. You can sign up right now. RiseDenver.com slash connect. Go in the back before you leave. 
Get in a community group. They are so important, these relationships. So important. We, we need community. We need vibrant community. Our uh, value here, vibrant community, is that we are real together to grow together. We've got to show up. We've got to be honest. And when we do that, man, we're going to grow together. And it is an amazing thing to be a part of. So get in a church. It's good for you. Okay? In a lot of different ways. So that's the third thing. Assemble together. And our M, as we finish out our acronym, our M today, is to motivate toward love. Motivate toward love. In Hebrews 10, 24, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. See, not only do we encourage each other, build them up, but sometimes we have to say a hard word to other people. It says spur one another on. Because a spur is like a, a spur, okay, right? Riding that horse, you kick him with a spur, spur, it doesn't feel good. That's why they go faster, that's why they move ahead and not just the horse isn't just meandering around. They got spurred. They're going in the right direction finally. This is why we spur, and, and we're supposed to spur each other. That, the Greek word means that. It's, it's supposed to be like a, a jab in the side. It, it can sometimes feel like conflict. But the people we need in our life and we need to be for others is sometimes saying those hard words that someone needs to hear. A lot of you surround yourself with friends who just are always saying, oh, you're such a great person. You're a great parent. Oh, yeah, you're awesome. Okay, Sometimes that's good, but sometimes it's a lie, right? Sometimes I'm like, no, I wasn't a good parent. Okay? I, I'm not eating good. <laughs> I do need to go to church. We need people who are going to spur us on and even say the hard words, not the friends who are just going to blow smoke up our keister. Um, in, in Proverbs, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. See, even if it wounds you, and that's, it's a wound, like it hurts you and it's there for a while. It's got to heal afterwards. I've had people tell me some stuff and it really hurt, but I'm so grateful that they said it. Man, those are sometimes the words that help you grow the most as a human being. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they said that. Thanks, honey. I'm kidding. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm going to pay for that one later. No, but, but that's one great thing about marriage, right? You have people that challenge you, right? And we have good friends that challenge us. There are our colleagues that, that push us forward, our companions. And it's an enemy that multiplies kisses. Okay, the person who's always saying you're great, yet you're awesome, you're the best. The, the one who's saying, oh yeah, I wouldn't put up with that either. You need to leave that guy. Oh, I'm married. That's not a friend, that's an enemy. A, a friend pushes you to do the right thing, even if it hurts. Okay? They're going to spur you on toward love and good deeds. And, and notice that it's toward love and good deeds. They're going to do it in love, and they're going to do it toward love. They do it in love because they're doing it because they love you. They're going to pull you aside, not rebuke you in front of everybody else. They, they're going to pull you aside and in love and in compassion say, hey, there's something going on. You drank way too much last night. That's not okay. You shouldn't be sleeping with that person. They're going to say these things in love. After they've looked at their own life, they've taken the plank out of their eye so that they can remove the sawdust in your own right. We, we, we do that in a process. But they do it in love and toward love. So this is the other thing. It's toward love and good deeds. They're, they're pushing you toward something better. So these aren't the friends that just complain about everything with you. These aren't the friends that you get with to criticize your boss, 
the government, your church, your pastor. These aren't the people that are just going to be negative and critical and down. These are people that are pushing towards love. Because doesn't our world already have enough hate and conflict and issues? The friends that are always just griping and groaning and all that stuff, that's not what we need. We need people that are going to push us towards love. Who are the friends that inspire me to love people and encourage people and to, to do good things for other people? Who are those people? That's what we need to be for each other. To spur one another on towards good and deeds. To, to motivate others. To inspire them. To encourage them. Who is the friends and how can I be the friends that's going to say, hey, you know, here's a good way to do it. I, I want to go serve at the Denver Rescue Mission, but I, I'm kind of awkward going by myself. Will you come with me? That's a good friend. Hey, I want to serve at church. Can, can we do it together? They're motivating toward love and good deeds. That's what we need. Those are the type of companions we need and what we want to be. We need to be. Because somebody else needs you to do these things for them. So, so are you going to do that? There are, are four things. It's pretty simple, right? Our team is T. Is that we think of others first. That we E, encourage them always. A, assemble in community. And M, motivate toward love. This is what we need. We need to be this team for other people. Ask not what your companions can do for you, but what you can do for your companions. Now, some of you in here are saying, Matt, I hear you, but I have tried and it has failed. I've been there for other people. I've tried to encourage them. When their mom died, I was there with, with flowers and comfort. I sat with them. But now I'm going through this, and where is that person? They're gone. They ditched me. I, I think we've all had those moments. I thought this person was a friend, but I look back, it was so one-sided. I did everything. They let me down. Or, or at church, I tried church, I tried a community group, and those people were not good. <laughs> so what do we do in those situations? Well, we keep taking a step forward, just like Jesus calls us to on our journey. Because we're still focused on ourselves, and we need to be the friend. And what we notice <laughs> is that that's exactly what Jesus went through. Think about Jesus. He was a good dude. He loved people. He cared about people. He served people. He had a great group of 12 friends he spent tons of time with. He gave his life to these 12 guys. He washed their feet. Yet one of them sold Jesus out. He betrayed Jesus for a paltry sum of money. And when Jesus was at his most desperate point, he said, please just stay up tonight, one night, and pray with me. And they all fell asleep. And then Jesus was arrested by the people he came to love and serve. And when he was all by himself, in desperate need, Peter, his best friend, denied even knowing Jesus. There's this powerful moment in the Gospel of John where Jesus is being led to be killed, and he can see through a window Peter, who had just denied him. Their eyes lock, and Peter and his friends run away. Jesus is left all alone as he's hanging on the cross, dying for these people. He loved them. Even his Father in heaven in that moment, he felt his father turn his back on him. And that's why Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was all alone, abandoned. But he went through that. He died for us so that we could be his friends. While we were his enemies, Jesus died for us to bring us to him. And that, that's why he even said, no longer will I call you servants, but I will call you friends. She said, I died and I was alone so that you would always have a friend. And, and when we believe in him, not only do we have a friend in Jesus, but we also have friends around us, colleagues in the church, 
Yes, they're imperfect. Yes, they have flaws. But we have other companions on the same journey with us forever and always. And that's good. And that's why we choose community. That's why we say, ask not what your companions can do for you, but what you can do for your companions. So I want to encourage you to give it another shot, to try again, to think of others first, to encourage them always, to assemble together in community and to motivate towards love. We keep doing this. We're always thinking of the others. How can I be the companion? Because there's other people who need it. And Jesus did it for us first. Let's pray. Um, Lord God, I'm so grateful that you sent your son, Jesus, to be alone, to, to know what it means to suffer and, and be alone and have people turn their back on him and be betrayed so that we could see him and we can follow him knowing that when he died on the cross for us, he made us his friends for those who believe and that he would be with us always to the very end of the age, that he would never leave us and forsake us. Lord God, we are grateful that your son Jesus is our friend today. And I pray that because of that, we would go out and be the friends, be the companions that other people around us need. That we would stop being so fixated on what I need and where's my friends and, and how can I get these people. But Lord God, we would be looking outwards at the people you have put in our lives so we could be their friend and companion. Help us to do that this week. With heads bowed, eyes closed, some of you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior today for the first time. And if you're here, you need to say a prayer today to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then he will be your friend for always and never leave you. So if you're here and you already are a follower of Jesus, please repeat this prayer after me to give courage to that person beside you. And, and if this is you that is ready to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, say this prayer, repeating after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Forgive me. Save me. I declare that Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you and serve you till I reach the goal. Amen. Now with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time, would you please lift your hand in the air? If you're online, you can go to risedenver.com connect. Click that link that you follow Jesus, said yes for the first time. Lord God, we want to follow you. It's hard. It's challenging. Would you put around us the companions we need, and more importantly, would you help us be the companion that others need? Help those who are beginning their journey with Jesus or maybe returning back to this journey with Jesus. and Help us to follow you. Amen.